Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and for episode 153 of the Modern Woodworkers Association, we've got five questions with Asa Christiana. Uh, Asa, are you ready? Have you studied? Yeah, I've studied in the sense that I don't know what any of the questions are. Perfect. Excellent right, preparation. Great. So we'll hit it right off at the beginning. Uh, how did you get into woodworking? Um, I went to trade school as a high schooler because we didn't really think college was possible because of our economic situation. I No one had ever gone in my family, so I just went to trade school, and I was buildy, and that made sense. And I learned to be a machinist, so... A bunch of different careers later when I became a journalist, which is a whole story I won't get into, um, (laughs) and I started making a living, I realized I couldn't really be, I wanted to start making things. And trying to set up a home machine shop is way more challenging than setting up a wood shop. And I fell in love with woodworking. And I ended up, um, because I loved it so much, it was it was sort of after machining metal, it was really easy to learn how to machine wood, actually. And a lot of the principles apply. And uh, I started right about that time. I got a job at this little trade magazine called Woodshop News. It was one of my right after I left newspapers. My first sort of magazine job was Woodshop News. And that just fed the passion even more. And then uh, three years after that, I I went to work at Fine Woodworking and then um that just was like a dream come true in terms of learning. That's very good. You you mentioned that in in your book. So if anyone hasn't picked it up, get the book just for your a little bit of your story. That's the build yeah. stuff with wood book by Asa Christiana. That's the one. Right. That's the book that everyone's <laughs> talking about, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if you go into this in the book, Asa, but what's your favorite tool? Wow. That's interesting. I might have to say the bandsaw. Okay. Because, um, yeah, because it can, I don't know, can cut so beautifully when you have the right blade on there. Read any of Michael Fortune's articles um, about setting up your bandsaw. Just find those, do exactly what he says, don't listen to anybody else, and you'll do magic things with your bandsaw. Sage advice. Yeah. Yep. A well-tuned bandsaw can cut just about anything. It's amazing. You could have a bandsaw and a whole set of hand tools and you'd be all set. If hand tools are your thing and you want to make one little nod to a machine, gra- grab yourself a bandsaw. Mm. You know, if in I was going to make a little nod, it might be to a joiner first, but I'll, yeah, I'll say a bandsaw is pretty important too. Yeah. Well, you, you've heard that before. Like, if you the one the the I guess the uh, the the discussion is you know if you were to have one tool or what's the starting tool if you're building a shop there there are two sides of that fence and it's either table saw or bandsaw and the argument is bandsaw can cut a hell of a lot more than a table saw can and you yeah. can cut straight things you can rip with it you can and cross it's a lot cut with safer, it actually. and it's a yeah. ton safer it's a the learning curve is much shorter uh, yeah I very would, cool if you know if you're asking me what people should start with. Then I refer back to the book I just wrote where I really think everyone should start their hobby with a chop saw because you'll use it the rest of your life. 
um, some kind of miter saw. You're sliding or not, whatever you can afford, get the best tool you can afford. And um, you'll use it the rest of your life for just fixing up your house or apartment. And you can take off the shelf materials um, and chop them to length and build a house full of furniture without any other tool other than maybe a cordless drill. I'll give you that. Yeah. 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 Interesting story that doesn't need to be told, but in my all my time, and I've been working you know, with wood for decades, I've used only one one-third horsepower, very terrible tabletop bandsaw. I've never known what it is to use a good bandsaw. Someday. Yeah. They're Someday. getting cheaper and cheaper. Sean, so when yeah. you come out to the island to do that ceiling spackling job we talked about in the last episode, <laughs> you're yeah. welcome to use my bandsaw. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Anyway, back to the questions. Uh, Asa, who has influenced you the most in woodworking? Wow. Um, These I'll are go, deep, aren't they? I'll go back to Michael Fortune. Really? Because okay. when I walked into his shop, um, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago, on assignment with Fine Woodworking, you if, you, if you're a good editor and you're meant to be at Fine Woodworking, you start to you recognize a a gold mine when you walk into it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you start to realize hope because that's how you're going to sort of make your own way at find woodworking is by finding these people that you're going to get not just one article from, but like a book full of incredible. And Michael um, is one of my favorite woodworkers because he didn't come up learning to cut dovetails. He came up through industrial design school. So most of my favorite woodworkers, they design things first and figure out how to build them second rather than saying, well, these are the three joints I know how to cut. Let me make things with those joints. Right. It's more like, let me make shapes and textures and lines and uh, things that are pleasing to the eye. And then just use your creativity to figure out. And Michael's so democratic about just um, how he joins things and so innovative Um so yeah, he he's he's a, he's a rare person who's a design genius, which I can't really come close to. But he's also a technical mechanical genius. You know, I walked into his shop and I saw a veneer guillotine. I didn't even know what that was, but it slices mm-hmm. off veneer perfectly in a big stack. And mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh yeah, I got this for like sixty bucks from a guy. It's like a three thousand dollar machine." And I redid all the hydraulics, and I was like, "What?" you know he's that kind of a guy it's like oh i can build a pole barn oh i could do this i could you know so i would say he's been really influential on me oh let me throw in one more sure the the holy trinity of sam maluk who i spent time with super lucky george nakashima who i spent time with at his compound not him but with his daughter and family and um oh shoot who's the other guy down in pennsylvania um I'll think of it in a minute. He's a famous artist. All of them Eshrick didn't just build in Pennsylvania? furniture. Uh, what's that? Eshrick? Yes, Wharton Eshrick. Thank you. Man, you, I had a brain uh, malfunction. Um, all of them didn't just stop at building furniture pieces. They just beautified everything around them. Like Nakashima's whole compound is just full of engineering and concrete techniques and stairs coming out of walls and it's in Maloof built two houses with like spiral staircases. And, and I kind of got inspired to like, don't stop at your furniture, beautify everything Mm. 
around you. Don't draw the line and be like, well, like, why wouldn't you want your walls to also look beautiful and your deck and your whatever, you know, just saying. No, it's very true. Those are people who have been super inspiring. Very good. When you're working, when woodworking per se, um, what has been the biggest stumbling block you've encountered and presuming that you've gotten past it, how do you do so? Wow. Biggest stumbling block. What's the thing that sort of tortures me? I'm impatient by nature. So that's my biggest stumbling block is I, and I'm also really like I'm a linear thinker. So once I decide to do something a certain way, I have a really hard time. And once I decide I'm going to get these four things done this day, and this is how I will achieve them and I will march forward and blunder, you know, and then I like, I end up rushing to get all this stuff done and I get mad that things are taking a while. And I just, I've learned slowly that you have to just let the project um, happen, you know, and slow down to speed up, you know, that old cliche, like slow down when it matters, slow down at the design stage. Holy moly. I can't even say that enough. Do a prototype, do more sketches, try a couple with cheap materials, you know, look at some different cross sections, play with the details, you know? Yeah. So slow down to speed up. That's been my big struggle. That's excellent advice. I, I, I have to admit, I, I almost laughed uh, years ago. Uh, Rob Boas, uh, MWA member of, uh, anyway, um, he, he was making some sort of desk and he, he made a prototype completely out of pink foam. Yeah. And I went, what, what? But then it was like, oh, you did, you just figured out so many of the things that might have been like an oh crap moment later in the project. It, like, you know, the, you know, heard stories like I built the thing and then I tried to move it through the door and it didn't fit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shit. You know, like, like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about the pink foam, man. I use pink foam in my book um, to make all sorts of mock-ups in my beginner book, Build Stuff Mm -hmm. with Wood, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, shameless plug. But I also (laughs) um, – out now at Amazon for 16 bucks. Um, I also um, (laughs) – I love – I use that stuff for – do you guys know the trick like when you need to – chop up some plywood to size and just lay it on a sheet of rigid foam and cut mm-hmm. right through it. Yeah. And it supports the whole piece of plywood perfectly. Yep. Great. Absolutely. It's great. If you don't have like a, if you can't like when you're knocking a long board down to size, throw it on a piece of rigid foam and circ saw it, you know? Yep. And I think my kids just threw away a, like a two foot by eight foot piece of two inch foam. <laughs> Damn it. That's great. <laughs> anyway. Yep. So uh, the the final question of the session: um, How has the internet internet influenced your work? Um, I think the number one thing the internet's done is I, I was lucky enough to be at Fine Woodworking, which is like having a, and then I even was honored to even be able to run it for a while for a few years. Um, it's sort of like having a fire hose of woodworking info and tips and tricks aimed at you, mm-hmm. and so. I didn't need to go on the internet to get anything more. I was overwhelmed and overloaded with what I was already getting. Um, just because you're sitting there and so many people are want things to get in the magazine and and there's truly great people telling you great stuff. Um, but what the internet's done for me is introduced me to the maker movement, which Mm. by the way is I have a second, a new book contract with the Taunton press 
And I've convinced them that they need to do a book about the maker movement and the whole resurgence of making things oh, um, from tech to non-tech to analog to traditional crafts, the mashups of all of the above. So I learned everything I know about that because that whole movement has happened on the internet. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So that's really been the thing. I think it's super exciting for someone like me who, you know, the front of my build stuff book, it's like, I just lament sort of the end of shop classes and all that stuff and the joy that people miss out on. Um, the maker movement is bringing it back, man, in a big way. In, yeah, absolutely. It's fun to watch. I, I can't say I'm terribly involved in it, but I know enough people that are deeply involved in it. Um, and it, it, it gets me excited. Like, I, I've always been a DIY kind of guy, and it's like, and that just kind of fits into it. You know, obviously, I, I do all my work around the house. I've plumbed, I've, I've electronic, I've drywalled. <laughs> I've done it all, but um, the 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 inspiration that's going on and the artistry that's becoming things and just the people that are making literal careers out of just making stuff is wonderful to see when you know every day or every week at least i can go on my drive to work and see people throwing away furniture that was bought at a department store in the last 40 years people are yeah. taking it to to make their own now mm. in, um in many different ways and different styles and uh different influences and it's a it's a very very cool thing yeah people are really the movement is all about just people number one people just staring at a screen all day and wanting to do something that they can touch mm -hmm. and feel mm -hmm. but number two it's really like i think people are getting really sick of just materialism in the sense that things are marketed at you by people you're manipulated into buying these things that are then made in some dubious circumstance in asia or someplace and um, which is whatever, what it, it is what it is, but people want to make some of their everyday items themselves. That's all. It could be like a little leather keychain or like a set of a ring that you make out of a coin that you put on your hand or they just want to make stuff that they use every day and have that around them. You know, that organic handcrafted, I did this feel i think they're really missing that and it's you can't keep it down uh, it's just been so um wonderful for me to see that because i you know we started to get scared at fine woodworking for a while you know when our numbers all the woodworking magazines were sort of going down and some of the 70s dudes were aging out of the craft and stuff it got a little bit scary but you know hey when it comes back it may not come back the way you expect That's no it's going to be different but it's also yeah. going to be there Absolutely. You can't kill it. Yeah. Well, yep. Asa, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. Um, we'll mention it uh, one or maybe two more times. The Build Stuff with Wood, your new book. Uh, absolutely fantastic introduction to the craft for anybody who wants to learn it. Or for people of kids, I think I'm going to go through a project or two of these with my with my kids. Um, even somebody who knows what they're doing, I think it's going to be a, a nice resource. Um, so thank you for, for coming on. We wish you the best of luck with the book. Where can people follow you online? Uh, before we hang up, um, I have a my Instagram's build stuff with Asa, and um, my blog is um, also build stuff with Asa.com. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then you can see my articles. I'm writing for Fine Home Building Magazine a lot, Woodcraft, Pop Wood, Fine Woodworking. Um, 
yeah, so I'm all over the place. Excellent. And uh, I'm Sean Wisniewski at the Corner Workshop um, at Sean W78 on most uh, social medias, including Untapped. And uh, yeah, and Sean Wisniewski on Facebook. And I'm Diami Plotke of the Modern Woodworkers Association, uh, modernwoodworkersassociation.com. I am at Diami Plotke on Twitter and on Facebook, and I'm Penultimate Beer on Untapped. <laughs> there you go. All right. So it's awesome. I love MWA. I love what you guys are doing, and I love the relationship we've had over the years. Thank you. We'll have to actually meet in some at some point. You so, guys come out to Portland. That's the ticket. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> it's a wonderland. It's a magical wonderland. <laughs> where it does rain a lot.